The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments, Season 3. Thank you for joining me on this journey into the odd, the weird, the strange. Hope you'll enjoy it. Now, on with the show. Howdy, hi there, friends and neighbors. This is your old pal, Terry, from Texas, with another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. I've told some strange stories. I've told some ghost stories. I've told some odd facts. I've told some weird situations. But this is something that's just very, very basic to the paranormal, and it has to do with superstition. We all pretty much know what superstition is. We all have superstitions of one form or another. I know people say they don't, but they do. Some of the superstitions stream down to us from our elder family members. Some come from religious beliefs. Some come from cultural influences. There are even some which come down to us from the ever-popular grapevine or from what are referred to as friend-of-a-friend stories or urban legends. Superstition is, and here's a $10 word, a pejorative, read that as highfalutin look down your nose at, term for any belief or practice that is considered irrational or supernatural, particularly the belief that future events can be foretold by specific unrelated prior events. The word superstition is often used to refer to a religion not practiced by the majority of a given society regardless of whether the prevailing religion contains alleged superstitions. The word superstition was said to have been first used in English in the 15th century, modeled after an earlier French word, superstition. Due to the pejorative, that means looked down upon, considered useless implications of the term, Items referred to in common parlance as superstition are commonly referred to as folk belief in folkloristics. They come up with a $5 word for every new thing they want to study in order not to call it something else. While I do not wish to make an exhaustive study into superstition, I believe we can have a little fun looking at and maybe even confronting some superstitions. Let's look at a time early on. Yeah. On second thought, let's don't. There is much of the history of the word, the separate definitions of the word according to different camps, 
and even the religious arguments for and against superstition. But I am not a classical scholar. Therefore, I will not chase those rabbits as they jump to run off at a tangent. Suffice it to say, there's much scholarly sounding gobbledygook that I'm not going to be telling you. It can be said that people tend to attribute events to supernatural causes, most often under two circumstances. Number one, people are more likely to attribute an event to a superstitious cause if it is unlikely than if it is likely. In other words, the more surprising the event, the more likely it is to evoke a supernatural explanation. That makes sense. This is believed to stem from an affectance motivation, a basic desire to exert control over one's environment. When no natural cause can explain a situation, attributing an event to a superstitious cause may give some people a sense of control and ability to predict what will happen in their environment. Number two, people are more likely to attribute an event to a superstition or a superstitious cause if it is negative rather than positive. This is called negative agency bias. Boston Red Sox fans, for instance, attributed the failure of their team to win the World Series for 86 years, not to bad players, but to the curse of the Bambino, a curse supposedly placed on the team for trading Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees so that the team owner could fund a Broadway musical. When the Red Sox finally won the series in 2004, the team's success was attributed to skill of the team and the rebuilding effort of the new owner and general manager. More commonly, people are more likely to perceive their computer to act according to its own intentions when it malfunctions rather than functions properly. Yeah, I think my computer's possessed at times, but I don't think it's superstitious. Call it silly or serious, superstitions happen many in daily life, such as the following. You ever heard of beginner's luck? The time-worn gambler getting up in anger from the table, grumbling about the new kid coming in and winning everything. He's an expert who just lost a game to a novice. Beginner's luck is the idea that newbies are unusually likely to win when they try out a sport, a game, or an activity for the first time. Beginners might come out ahead in some cases because the novice is less stressed out about winning. He doesn't know the game, so he doesn't know what the stakes actually are. He doesn't know what can change. He doesn't know how easily things can be manipulated. Too much anxiety, after all, can hamper performance. Or it could just be a statistical fluke, especially in chance-based gambling games. Uh, maybe. Or perhaps it's human nature, in my opinion, to be a little easier on newbies than hardcore opponents. Or, like many superstitions, a belief in beginner's luck might arise because of confirmation bias. Another $5 word, confirmational bias, is a psychological phenomenon in which people are more likely to remember events that fit in their worldview. If you believe you're going to win because you're a beginner, you're more likely to remember all the times you were right and forget the times you ended up in last place. We all know this one. If you've seen the movie Grease, you know it didn't turn out well, though. Find a penny and pick it up, and all day long you'll have good luck. This one may arise because finding money is lucky in and of itself. You might find more than a penny. You might find nothing. But anyway, 
It also may be a spinoff from another old rhyme which says, See a pen, like a stick pen, pick it up, and all day long you'll have good luck. See a pen, let it lay, and your luck will pass away. Now when I mentioned Greece, when they're fixing to have the car race at Thunder Road down in the L.A. River Basin, Kanicki was about to drive Grease Lightning against the other guy for their pink slips. D.D. Khan's character, Frenchie, sees a penny and says, See a penny, pick it up, all day long you'll have good luck. Turns and hands it to Kanicki, who is standing outside the car, but he drops it. So as he bends to pick it up, somebody opens the door and whacks him upside the head, knocks him knocks him goofy. Er, goofier. Well, it didn't turn out well for Kanicki. But in luck, it did take the... Uh, positive because John Travolta won the race and you know the rest. Another part of this superstition I've heard about is if the penny is laying face down, leave it. It's bad luck. I've heard that one for years. Don't pick it up if the face is down. Just leave it alone. Mr. Lincoln's not smiling at you. Here's one we all have heard of and probably have all been called down for. Don't walk under that ladder. Frankly, this superstition is pretty practical. Who wants to be responsible for stumbling and knocking a carpenter off his perch? Or a painter? Or an electrician? But one theory says that this superstition arises from a Christian belief in the Holy Trinity, which I'd never heard. Since a ladder leaning against a wall forms a triangle, or a freestanding ladder is a triangle, breaking that triangle was blasphemous. Then again, another popular theory is that a fear of walking under a ladder has to do with its resemblance to a medieval gallows. Yeah, that would keep me out of it. I'm sticking with the commonsensical safety first explanation for this one. Again, there's an easy out for this one, and it's a bit odd. Cross your fingers when you walk under a ladder, and bad will not befall you. Black cats crossing your path. Everybody knows that especially around Halloween you see a black cat, you go to the other side of the street. Now, if a cat is being a cat, he will follow you across the street and still get ahead of you. But anyway, cats, considered as companion animals for humans for thousands of years, cats play all sorts of mythological roles. In ancient Egypt, cats were revered. They were mummified and buried with their owners. Today, Americans collectively keep more than 81 million cats as pets. So why keep a black cat out of your path? Most likely... This superstition arises from old beliefs in witches and their animal familiars, which are often said to take the form of domestic animals like cats. Yeah, I've never really heard of witches with dogs. That witch has a weenie dog. No, I just, I never heard of it. You just never see a witch with a calico or an orange tabby either. Now do you? A rabbit's foot will bring you luck. I just happened to see this one on Dennis the Menace reruns the other day. Talismans and amulets are a time-honored way of fending off evil. Consider the crosses and garlic that are supposed to keep vampires at bay. Rabbit feet as talismans may hark back to early Celtic tribes in Britain. They may also arise from hoodoo, a form of African-American folk magic and superstition that blends Native American, European, and African tradition. Face it, if rabbit's feet were lucky, rabbits would still have them. Bad luck comes in threes. Remember confirmation bias? The belief that bad luck comes in threes is a classic example. 
A couple of things go wrong, and believers may start to look for the next one. A lost shoe might be forgotten one day, but seen as the third in a series of bad breaks the next. A celebrity or two reach the end of their lives, and the internet and TV gossip shows start saying, bad things come in threes, and asking, who will be the third? The three bad things, or bad things coming in threes, also refers to the three on a match concept which originally started in the church where only the high churchman could light the three candles on the altar but in wartime it reverted to if you're going to light a match to light a cigarette only do it once or twice but don't do it the third time because the first time clues the sniper into where you're at second time gives him a better look at where you are and the third time he's sighted in on you so the third man gets shot I don't know. It may happen that way. Or it may just look that way. Be careful with that mirror. We've all heard it. That breaking the mirror is a surefire way to doom yourself to seven years of bad luck. The superstition seems to arise from the belief that mirrors don't just reflect your image. They hold bits of your soul. That belief led people in the old days of the American South to cover mirrors in a house when someone died lest their soul be trapped inside. Like the number three, the number seven is often associated with luck. Seven years is a long time to be unlucky, which may be why people have come up with countermeasures to free themselves after breaking a mirror. And while I've never heard of these, here they are. These include touching a piece of the broken mirror to a tombstone, creepy enough, or grinding the mirror shards into a powder. Yeah, I've got a mirror grinder out in the kitchen. I will get it. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The number 666. Damien, where are you? Three sixes in a row give some people the chills. It's a superstition that harks back to the Bible. In the book of Revelation, 666 is given as the number of the beast and is often interpreted as the mark of Satan and a sign of the end times. According to State University of New York at Buffalo, anthropologist Phillips Stevens, two last names, the writer of Revelation was writing to persecuted Christians in code. Uh, some people believe that, some people don't. So the numbers and names in the book are contemporary references. Three sixes in a row is probably the numeric equivalent of the Hebrew letters of the first century Roman Emperor Nero. Which is kind of strange because Nero only has four letters in it. And some people stretch their thoughts and that's why they're theoretical instead of actual.
Knock on wood. This phrase is almost like a verbal talisman designed to ward off bad luck after tempting fate. For instance, breaking that mirror didn't bring me any trouble, knock on wood. In many cultures, it's common superstition for people to knock their knuckles on a piece of wood to bring themselves good fortune or ward off bad luck. Yet, while the phrase knock on wood or touch wood in Britain has been part of the vernacular since at least the 19th century, there seems to be little agreement on how it originated. One common explanation traces the phenomenon to ancient pagan cultures such as the Celts who believed that spirits and gods resided in trees. Knocking on tree trunks may have served to rouse the spirits and call on their protection, but it could also have been a way of showing gratitude for a stroke of good luck. Yet another theory is that people knocked on wood to chase away evil spirits or prevent them from listening in when they boasted about their luck, thereby preventing a reversal of fortune. Christians, meanwhile, and I've never heard of this, have often linked the practice of the wood of the cross from Christ's crucifixion. I can't find any other info as to why, though. In the United States in the 18th century, it was common practice for men who were using muzzle-loading rifles, flintlocks, to hit the stock of the rifle with the heel of their hand so they were knocking on wood. It would settle the black powder charge and ensure the weapon would fire cleanly. And you definitely want Providence to smile on you then, especially if a big old bar was running at you or a line of redcoats or a force of bluebellies were marching across the field at you, right? Similar phrases abound in multiple languages, and they pretty much mean the same thing. So that suggests that the desire not to upset a spiteful universe is very common. Have you ever fought over the wishbone after Thanksgiving lunch with the turkey or Christmas lunch with the turkey? The tradition of turkey bone tug-of-war goes back a long way. Legend has it that first century Romans used to fight over dried wishbones, which they believed were good luck, and would accidentally break them, ushering in the idea that whoever has the largest part gets their wish. Bird bones have also been used in divination throughout history, but I'm not really interested in that. Uh, according to what would happen would be a supposed soothsayer would throw the bones and read their patterns to predict the future. Eh, I don't know. I just know that up in Central Texas in my childhood, we called them pulley bones. Just saying. You ever cross your fingers when you hope something's going to go right, or you want a positive outcome, or you're lying? Those wishing for luck will often cross one finger over another, a gesture that's said to date back to early Christianity. The story goes that two people used to cross index fingers when making a wish, a symbol of support from a friend to the person making the wish. Anything associated with the shape of the Christian cross was thought to be good luck. The tradition gradually became something people could do on their own. These days, just saying fingers crossed is enough to get the message across. Do not open your umbrella in the house. You should know better. And it's not just because you'll poke somebody's eye out. Opening an umbrella indoors is supposed to bring bad luck, though the origins of this belief are murky. 
Legends Abound, from a story of an ancient Roman woman who happened to have opened her umbrella moments before her house collapsed, to the tale of a British prince who accepted two umbrellas from a visiting king and died within months, like the don't walk under a ladder superstition. This seems to be a case of a myth arising to keep people from doing something that is slightly dangerous in the first place. Our favorite Friday the 13th. If you're not scared of Friday the 13th, you should be scared of the word used to describe those who are. Frigatriscadecophobics. Friday has long been considered an unlucky day. Let me say that word again. Frigatriscadecophobics. If you have a fear of the number 13, you have triscadecophobia. And 13 long has a history as an unlucky number. For most of recorded human history, the number 13 was associated with Jesus and the 12 disciples, and specifically the evening of the Last Supper, which found all 13 of them assembled together, with Judas being received as the 13th guest. And most of us know how that turned out. The story of the Last Supper also coincides with a similar story in Norse myth, in which that kooky horn-wearing Loki crashed a Valhalla dinner party as the 13th guest, bringing immediate chaos and destruction with him. Well, I mean, that's what he was. He was chaos. Darn Loki, he was supposed to bring a plus one. Humans have always been fascinated with numbers and the idea that certain numbers carry a deep spiritual, esoteric, or occult significance. Maybe you've heard about people who become obsessed with the number 23. Yeah, that was a movie. Or read memes about the significance of the number 11. I had a friend that kept seeing 1111 on her clocks. And we all know, thanks to Three Dog Night, that one is the loneliest number, and further, that two can be as bad as one. Certain numbers attract dark superstitions, from the devil's number 666 to the devil's hour, 3 a.m. The number 13 may be the darkest of them all, however. Maybe you've worked in a building with no 13th floor, or maybe you've avoided the 13th floor yourself. Maybe you've read of people whose obsession with the number tormented them, like composer Arnold Schoenberg, who was born and died on the 13th of the month and was terrified of the number all of his life. A little less terrified but still bothered was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, whom biographer John Gunther described as mildly superstitious when it came to variants of Friday the 13th. Gunner was reportedly saying he hated Friday the 13th and he would never start an important trip on a Friday if he could help it, and he disliked sitting down with 13 at dinner. The idea of the 13th day of the month being unlucky may have first taken hold in ancient Greece around 700 BC when the poet Hesiod penned a farmer's almanac called Works and Days. In his almanac, he cautioned the farmer to Quote, avoid the 13th of the waxing month for beginning to sow, unquote. but he doesn't explain why. According to the Stress Management Center and Phobia Institute in North Carolina, about 17 million people fear Friday the 13th. Many may fall prey to the human mind's desire to associate thoughts and symbols with events. If anything bad happens to you on Friday the 13th, the two will forever be associated in your mind, said Thomas Gilovich, a psychologist at Cornell. All those uneventful days in which the 13th fell on a Friday will be ignored. Over the centuries, 
the fear and eagerness to avoid the number 13 essentially became one of humanity's longest-running memes. By the arrival of the 19th century, though, skyscrapers were being built without 13th floors, and men were defiantly forming 13 clubs, societies made of 13 men who deliberately met to defy the odds and debunk the superstition put in place by Judas and Loki centuries before. The 13 clubs reportedly included five U.S. presidents, from Chester A. Arthur to Theodore Roosevelt. Debunking the bunk? It's a commonly held belief that the reason Friday the 13th is considered unlucky is that on Friday 13, 1307, a raid on the Knights Templar took place, essentially wiping them out. The belief that this is the source of the Friday the 13th mythos got a huge boost from Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, but it's totally bogus. As National Geographic points out, some knights were arrested on that date, but it had nothing to do with the superstition. But a word of caution, never, ever go to a place called Camp Crystal Lake on Friday the 13th. Have you ever thrown salt or maybe a horseshoe over your shoulder for luck? So many people do it without understanding why, but throwing salt over your shoulder is an old tradition. According to the superstition, spilling salt is bad luck and throwing a pinch over your shoulder reverses that bad luck. Typically, it's thrown over the left shoulder. We don't know exactly when this tradition began, but there are a few explanations about why spilled salt is bad luck. Take a close look at Leonardo da Vinci's painting, The Last Supper and you'll see that Judas Iscariot has knocked over the salt with his elbow. Because Judas betrayed Jesus Christ in the Bible, people began associating salt with lies and disloyalty. Throwing salt over the left shoulder blinds the devil, who was waiting there to force you into acts of bad behavior as well. Why toss it over the left side? Some Christian beliefs hold that the devil hangs around behind your left shoulder, waiting to take advantage of you. If you spill salt, the devil sees it as an invitation to step in and do evil. Throwing it over your shoulder into his face blinds him and renders him helpless. One theory has more to do with etiquette than warding off bad luck. In ancient times, salt was expensive, so precious that in some civilizations it was even used as currency. Spilling salt was tantamount to throwing away money and only the devil would cause someone to act with such foolishness. Tossing a pinch over your shoulder would blind the devil and make him think twice about trying to trick you again. If you spill the salt, you must be the one to throw it over your shoulder, or you won't thwart the bad luck. If you're the superstitious type, or just like to play it safe, it probably wouldn't hurt to toss a little pinch of that sodium chloride over your left shoulder should you accidentally spill some. You never know what might be lurking behind you. It's a similar situation with the horseshoe. It's said that you toss the horseshoe over your left shoulder and spit after it to increase the good luck that will soon arrive. Not very clean, not very healthy, and not very smart, but think about this. With both the salt and the horseshoe, there comes a caveat, a warning. Know who or what's lurking behind you before you toss anything over your shoulder. Good luck be hanged if you just nonchalantly threw a heavy iron horseshoe 
over your shoulder and hit some big bruiser of a fella, you'll need good insurance rather than luck. In childhood, we have superstitions also. Remember, don't step on the sidewalk cracks or you'll break your mother's back. Or when driving under a railroad bridge or underpass, putting your hands up to keep the roof of the car from falling in. Or don't sit on the drain as the water goes out of the tub or you'll get sucked down the drain. You keep making that ugly face one day, it's going to stick that way. That frog will give you warts, boy. And do you remember jumping on your bed from a distance rather than walking up to the edge because it would keep monsters from grabbing your ankles? And they were under there, just salivating for six-year-old flesh. How about holding your breath as you crossed a bridge? We used to do that. Why? I haven't the foggiest. On a more frightening note, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody... Well, you get the gist, and we'll quit talking about that one, but how about you and a close friend are talking, and you both say something, and one of you calls jinx on the other. The one who got jinxed has to either wait a period of time before he says anything, or he'll get hit. I don't like that one. Yeah, superstitions are unique. Some are bizarre, some mighty strange. Some are mildly strange, and yet others are just downright laughable. But nearly everyone has one, or two, or ten. A man who says he has no superstitions, but then buys a lottery ticket with the same number each time, is he superstitious? You be the judge. Well, that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed this kind of a departure from the normal way I do the show. This was just something that popped up in my head, and I thought it would be fun to pursue. I hope you've had fun this this uh, episode, and I hope you'll be back for further episodes. Um, I try to be here every week. Sometimes I don't make it. That's life. Remember to catch Aaron Hunter on Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast on Mondays. Aaron Frail on Aaron's Horror Show on Tuesdays. Me, Terry from Texas, on Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays. Alternating Thursdays, we may have Patrick Sean Jones with the Sandman Lullabies. And I believe it's on Fridays. Um, I'm not sure how often, but on Fridays we release two video shows under RPA. And yeah, apparently it's investigations that these people do. Make sure that you take a look at them and see how they are. If you want to download the RPA app, you can do that. Go to your app store on either Apple or Android. Look for RPA. You download that app, open it up in your device, you can find all of our shows right there. You don't have to go looking for them. We're all over the internet, a lot of different places. Well, that's it, and I hope you'll come back next week. Glad to have had you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.